facing challenges, to remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. Hope that you are ready to say yes to spirit. And because uh, Leslie and I are. <laughs> if at no other time, we are this one hour out of each week. That's Well, sometimes even at the beginning of this one hour out of every week. Like, really? <laughs> Really, I got. I'm gonna say. I, I gotta say yes to spirit. And the answer is always no. You don't have to. You do have choice. Right. There's. You always have a choice. But uh, my choice today is to say yes to spirit. And uh, every week we have a theme, and this week our theme is toil. And if you're a regular listener, you've been hearing that word toil come up every couple of shows for the last probably, I don't know, three months. And so we decided that maybe we should actually talk about toil. So, But before we do that, we always connect the dots with our most recent show and our most recent theme was travel, and somehow in that conversation about travel, the word toil came up, and that's how it got to be on the theme for this week. So maybe, just maybe, Leslie can either remember that or have some other connect the dots connection between travel and toil. <laughs> You know the uh, classic one. I can I can remember times when going on vacations would seem like toil in a strange way, trying to get everybody ready and trying to get everybody kind of on the same page and out the out the door. I, growing up, we would always take car vacations, so there really wasn't much of a time frame. But um, with the invention of airplane travel in my life. Um, that uh, definitely puts a different kind of spin on it because I tend to cut to the last moment and uh, and it can be can be a lot of work to just get out the door on time to get to the airplane on time and I am fascinated how that just plays on the energy of what's supposed to be so much fun the vacation it's supposed to go and have fun it's like if it's work getting up getting ready. You know, getting getting there, uh, it seems so counterintuitive. And um, so, in recent years, I've I've looked at you know making the whole experience fun and the travel fun, and 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 not looking at that as work. I have a little bit of plane anxiety, so that could also play off as being uh, being hard. We did another four-letter word: H-A-R-D, hard work, toil. So. Uh, Again, the idea of it being a mental state of choice to to not have my travel be toilsome. Is that a word, toilsome? Um, I don't think so, but it is now. <laughs> so there you go. That was a very long connected dots, wasn't it? Too long. Well, I don't know that it was any longer than any other connected dots, but... Um that is interesting because I I didn't we didn't have family vacations growing up so I didn't have that experience about that but the thing that was similar to what you were describing is um, because of the size of the house that I grew up <clears throat> we often hosted parties for like you know the youth group at church or the Girl Scouts or, you know, the teen group. 
that our house would end up being, you know, oh, you all have a, you know, big enough house to host this party, and um, and the way our house was laid out, where people could actually, you know, move. So, but it, it and so that what triggered for me was when you said, yeah, vacation's supposed to be fun. It's like, yeah, we're going to host a party. It's going to be really fun. Have people over at our house, and of course, my mother didn't clean. No one in our house cleaned our house, and so so when there was a party, there was all of this work in the 48 hours before the party, uh, really in the 12 hours before the party, of, you know, cleaning up or sto- stuffing things in closets and, you know. And so the party, by the time the party would start, I would be, like, exhausted and it would not be any fun. So kind of like your yeah. example yeah. with. The uh, vac- preparing for vacations uh, not being fun when the vacation is supposed to be fun. So, um, so we'll come back after the break and talk about toil because something else you said triggered another question for me. So let's take a little one-minute break. We'll be back after that. Hang with us and uh, stay tuned to stay, Say Yes to Spirit. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Leslie and Tracy. And our theme this week is toil, toil. And um, I don't know, Leslie, you've been liking that word a lot lately. <laughs> it sounds medieval, doesn't it, somehow? Toil, like I'm, you know, I'm like in the bottom of a ship trying to, you know, move the thing to make the oil go down or something, toil. I think it came to me from a woman in the jail used that word and um, several months ago. And, you know, my favorite word being work, that just seemed to put an exclamation point. Um, someone was saying yesterday, toil, you know, it's just exponentially harder than work. <laughs> it's a, if it's harder than work, then I would be immediately drawn to it. You know, it's, it's toil, it's worse than work. I miss just work, right? Now I'm feeling like I'm having to toil. But it is sort of an interesting just theory on the idea of how creating stories and how we perceive things creates the thing. You know, something yeah. like going on vacation or something, having a party or whatever we're doing, you know, how we're perceiving it is creating it, the, the thing itself. You know, I could be, you know, quote-unquote, actually, you know, doing yard work or cleaning the house or, you know, doing something in theory that's actual work. And if I perceive it differently, then, you know, it can be enjoyable. And certainly, you know, we've just given examples of how things that we would traditionally think would be fabulous, uh, we perceive it a certain way and it becomes very, very different than fabulous. So why do we keep coming back to that idea of choice? Uh, yeah, so it is all about choice, and that is my favorite motto of life. You always have a choice, always. 
And um, but yeah, that's interesting about we we can decide how we see it. Um, so what feels like, and you, you you and I have had the conversation many times about. To me, the world the word work is not. It doesn't have a negative charge at all. It's because work for me is so connected to choosing to do something you love to do and doing it well. And so, um, but toil does have a, a negative energy with it for me. Oh, there you go. Okay, we found your word. Okay, there you go. So, you know, well, and it's not a word that I would use. So, and I, that's probably because it carries more of a negative energy um I'm trying to think what word I might use instead that would have the same or equivalent level of negative energy and um, routine repetition. There's a word that's similar to that, that describes something that is, you know, routine. You do it over and over again. It's kind of boring, but you have to do it. And that is kind of like toil for me is, you know, it's it's drudgery. That's the word. Drudgery and toil. Ah, drudgery. <laughs> drudgery and toil are kind of like synonyms for me. But the word work doesn't have that feeling at all for me. So sometimes what I realize is <clears throat> kind of exactly what you said, that... Um, you know, so much of what it, so much of what we feel, experience, and know is is the story we've made up about the word or the words that we're using, and it really has doesn't have that much to do with the word itself at all. So, so toil and drudgery <laughs> both sound very medieval. Well, maybe that's why, yeah, maybe, maybe that's why I don't use either one of them very much. But if I say either one of them, it's kind of like, oh. It is interesting, though, how certain words can, you know, train us by the very nature of just our definition of them. And um, I know that I uh, have spent a lot of my life trying to create a daily practice or some sort of daily spiritual practice, and we haven't talked about that in a while, but the idea of having that daily practice initially seemed like work, you know. I would go as far as to say some days it felt like toil. Um, And I have learned over time that discipline and routine are things that are very, very important to me and very, very good for me. And when I am in, she's laughing out loud. You're not laughing out loud, obviously, but you're laughing silently. Why did you laugh when I discipline said discipline and routine uh-huh. are very important to you? That and made you laugh. That made you laugh. So you know, and and <laughs> I'm focused on your laughing now. I can't. And uh, obviously, if they're very important to me, then I would find them difficult to do. Much like that, See, that makes no That's sense. That's a to fantastic me. sentence. I like that sentence. It's a great sentence, but it makes no sense. Yes, if to it's me. good for me, I must avoid it at all costs. Um, but uh, so, so I have found over time, as I get into the discipline, into the routine of a daily practice, that my, you know, that gets me in that jet stream, right? But initially, I have that resistance to doing that daily practice. And that and that discipline. So how convenient that the last few weeks at the Center for Spiritual Living Dallas, the book has been the War of Art, which is all about resistance. The War of Art. The War of Art. Yeah, not the Art of War. The War of Art. It's about how exactly what you describe when you are creating something, whether it's art, whether it's fine art, cultural art, or whether it's just the art of creating your life. Mm. But when you're creating something, you're mm. in creation mode, 
that there's a war that often mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. It's what you just described as resistance. Mm-hmm. And so the whole book is mm-hmm. about recognizing your resistance for what it is mm-hmm. and what you can do and things you can do to move mm-hmm. through your resistance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is just as simple, not easy, but just as simple as saying, I'm making a commitment to do this and I'm going to do it. And, you know, right. once you keep doing it, right. then it becomes your new habit. Right. And, you you know, a few weeks or a few months later, you'd never think mm-hmm. of skipping whatever that was or not doing right. whatever that is. Right. Um, but besides just using brute discipline, brute force mm-hmm. discipline. Toiling. Yes. Um that you know, the, that's what the whole book is about. So, art, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. Highly recommend. You know, it's an interesting thing. I, I I don't know where I heard it, but years ago I heard this concept of spiritual warfare. Mhm. And um, I think it was said sort of in terms of dark versus light or something that you know that there was actually kind of this spiritual warfare of of um, Good, good and bad sort of energies in the world, which I don't know that I resonate with that at all, but I do resonate with this idea that when I'm getting more in line with the truth of who I am, connecting with that love and light and being, being, period, don't have to put anything after that, when mm-hmm. I'm being, there is the human, the ego, the whatever, that quote-unquote darkness, that does rear up and sort of say, what about me? Wait a minute. Let me remind you of how this is screwed up in the past. And let me just help you remember (laughs) that this never really works for long. Do not go down that road. Yes, that is silly. What are you trying to do? So that is very evident with the women in the jail um, that I work with because many times for them, A, it's the first period of time they've ever been clean or sober long enough to kind of have the cobwebs out of their mind to, to connect into their own ability to think and be present and then to open up their mind to some sort of spiritual connection. And so when they're when you're kind of in that phase of the first time or you know, the first time in a long time kind of thing, it's like that energy or that, that connection to spirit is so freeing and so exciting and such a high. And I do see a lot in that ego or that human or that fear or that doubt or that anxiety, whatever you want to call it, that I believe is of of human making, kicks in and it just becomes this sort of like brick wall. And, um, you know, it's fascinating to watch that process. Many times when when I've seen people label it as something outside of themselves, oh, the devil's trying to take over, or, you know, something outside of me is trying to, in some ways it becomes more fearful, and that's, I think that's a fascinating trick that the ego does, right? Because because then it's huge. It's like something really I can't do anything. Oh, my God, it's the devil. And, you know, that's going (laughs) to, so it's really, I mean, that's a really good little marketing tool for the ego to have, you know, this entity that's huge frightening and all powerfully in that negative frightening way um so uh so it's interesting when i language to them the idea that maybe it's you know just their you know the fact of the trauma or the fact of the emotional situation coming too big and that they can you know nothing's bigger than god nothing's bigger than spirit you know this divine spark within certainly can't be outshined or dampened or put under a bushel by anything right 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 so so to re-engage or reconnect to, you know, just staying involved in that daily practice. I mean, because I think it's fascinating. I was having a conversation with someone last night about this idea of, um, you know, looking at spirit is always on my side, a deck of cards are, you know, stacked in my favor kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I and I think this is an interesting ponder, Tracy Brown, as a practitioner of science of mind. I think you and I, I always like these ponders, and I'm always fascinated by these ponders, but the idea that the science of mind seems to be very focused on the law, but there is two pillars, love and law. And this idea of uh, law being like a computer that I'm co-creating through my thoughts, creating my beliefs that then give me my experience. Yes, I believe that. 
and I believe in Daddy God. You know, we've we talked about that. You know, that there's this, there's this something that is always out there fighting for me, always on my side, always, you know, saying, come on, here's the jet stream, just a little bit more to the left, to the left. Um, and that that overwhelming sense of love is also moving me and guiding me. And she's now has her hand over her face. She's laughing. So, But that, that, that to me, supersedes the the law, but I think the law can get me there, but I'd rather be in love. Oh. <laughs> she goes again. She goes, hi, I want to explain it to you again, Leslie, no, so no, she can no, understand no, no, it. No, 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 First, mm-hmm. but what made me laugh was just by the way you were describing the love part. The, the words that went through my mind was, oh, that's so codependent. Daddy love? No. So daddy love is was good, <laughs> but when it was like there's some, it's well because I pictured a few relationships that I know that people have with their parent or their spouse, where they really like their parent or their spouse is going to get them out of whatever they're in, and and they mm. you know and and their parent or spouse is going to make the way open mm-hmm. so that. You know, and we have a whole generation of young people whose parents have done so much for them. They have this sense of entitlement, but even worse than the entitlement, that's I can deal with that. But the idea that they, you know, they're used to their, like, like they don't know how to act. They don't know how to right because they, they know their they they know their parent or their spouse loves them and is gonna make everything okay and fix to it and tell them right. And so, so that's why when I laughed, because it was like, oh, that thought has never gone through my mind before about the the match or the parallel to codependency. Mm. So, but I will go back. My comment always about that is, I science of mind does have the two pillars, love and love, mm-hmm. and the love piece is really clear to me that because spirit is love. Mm-hmm the perfect example of love, spirit is giving mm-hmm. oh, okay. whatever so you got that? is you agree with that, that you, whatever it is that you identify and claim. So but, the, where we don't agree, where you and I don't agree is that if I'm screwing up, spirit is in the background hovering saying, don't do it. No, don't do don't that. Don't do it. No, don't do it. To the left. Go to the left. You don't think that? No. I think wow. that's love is. Well, that's spirit. That spirit love is, is, is love. Yeah. And that the love of spirit is you have an unlimited number of choices because I have it all to mm-hmm. provide for you. Mm-hmm. And I have no judgment about what you choose because I know ultimately Number one, it's not going to change my love for you, and you're just having an experience. And whatever that experience has is going to lead you to the next experience. So for me, when mm-hmm. I think about mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. and spirit, it's, mm-hmm. spirit doesn't really, really care. Well, and I'm careful <laughs> about saying spirit doesn't care what you do. Spirit cares about you. Ah, okay. And yeah. is all, there's always going to be an option for whatever you choose for the next op- set of options that are available to you to just give you another choice that's going to realign you or align you more with the love of God. And if you choose another choice that moves you more away from that, spirit's like, oh, oh that's an interesting choice. Okay, well, here's some more choices. But if, it's hard for me to imagine, even if I take away the codependent piece, it's hard for me to imagine or to frame, not imagine, I can imagine it. It's hard for me to frame the all, all love of God mm-hmm. with God saying, oh, no, don't do that. Oh, no, baby, don't do it. Oh, no, baby, don't do that. Because then God has a judgment about whether that a good choice you're making or well, a bad choice. Obviously, God knows. 
God knows that <laughs> even I way. know if it's a good choice or a bad choice. It's not gonna stop me from making it, but I know. <laughs> so that that's where we're not in alignment. Mm-hmm. And I and I actually believe anybody who listens to our show a lot knows that both of us quote um, Reverend Dr. Petra Weldis quite a bit, and and she's an amazing scholar and teacher. Mm. Um, and because she tends to go to the mental and the right. science, in our center, mm-hmm. there is a much more predominant focus on law mm-hmm. than love. Mm-hmm. But when I have visited other centers or, as, you know, when I meet other ministers in the in the movement, sometimes I can see that, oh, I, if I went to their center, I'd get so much more of the love. Really? But I would get less of the law. Gotcha. And so I think that's just kind of in the culture of our center, and I think that probably is different in some other centers. So, you know, as doing the study and doing the reading and doing the work, finding, you know, what resonates with me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I love um, Emerson because mm-hmm. Emerson is really has ha- had a lot of influence on the way that Ernest Holmes wrote and talked about love and some the transcendentalists. And, um, and, and so, you know, it's kind of like I have this sense of how I understand the two pillars, love and law, and it doesn't actually line up with what the norm is in our particular, particular center. center. Gotcha. And that <clears throat> makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, I am reminded that um, Ernest Holmes, at the end of his life, was becoming more of a mystic, was was experimenting more with the mystic. You're looking at me like I have three heads. So I know this I'm to be true. No, 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 I know this to be true. Don't get me defensive. Every time I say mystic, I get very defensive and very nervous. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, and uh, so I read that, and I was really interested in that. And I do think, ultimately, if we stay on some sort of spiritual path, if we stay in some sort of spiritual, that that ultimately where, you know, whatever we want to label it, that becoming more and more connected to the one and becoming more and more the one being, you know, that's just sort of a natural path, whatever we call it, mystic or whatever it is that we call it, but the deepening of a spiritual being becomes, you just become more being. And and I believe that that is, I agree with you, and I believe that that is true no matter what religion or faith system you practice. Right. Because we, well, we know Christian mystics, we know Buddhist mystics, we know, so being... Sufis. I love Sufis. And so we know that whatever um, your spiritual, whatever your religious guidance is, Mm -hmm. when you get beneath the surface of the prescribed practices, you enter the land of what's the spiritual truth that is beneath the physical practices. Right. And that starts looking the same. That levels all religions, right? Right. That would so, be the one all paths lead to God, yes. Right. And so, right, when we talk about all paths lead to God, I think that was part of what, I know, it was a big part of what allowed me to even go deeper into reading more of Ernest Holmes and more of the philosophy, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I remember the first time I saw the Science of Mind textbook and, you know, on the, the the title is Science of Mind, but it's, the subtitle is A Philosophy of Faith and a Way of Life. Mm. And, and so it's, that also for me felt mm. really good because Ernest Holmes never intended to start a religion. He talked a lot and wrote a lot about how there really wasn't anything new, that what he was doing was pulling together those universal spiritual truths that were underneath all the religions. Right. So that then for him to say all paths lead to God made sense. There wasn't just kind of 
cute advertising language. <laughs> right, know? right, right. It's like because, you know, these things are, you know, if you go beneath the surface, if you look at Islam and Islam says you're supposed to pray five times a day and you're supposed to, you know, face the east and you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to, you know, go on hajj and you're supposed to, you know, you could have that whole list, but then if you start asking the question, why are you doing those yes. things? And what am I what feeling when I'm doing those things? Yes. of that? Mm-hmm. And you, when you then do those things, you move into that emotional mm-hmm. and spiritual space mm-hmm. of how you then live your life from right. that level. Right. It all looks the same, whether it's Islam, whether it's Baptist, whether it's mm-hmm. Catholic, whether it's <clears throat> New Thought, mm-hmm. Unity, Science of Mind, Christian Science. It, you know, it, right. You know, the only, the only, well, I'm sure there are some faith systems that don't encourage people to go beneath the structure mm-hmm. of the, you do these tasks and you do them this way. And I don't know. Those are mind control things. And so, Don't do it. You Stay know, back. <laughs> And so, you know, I'm guessing that there are still some people who, by following with discipline, the word you used earlier, discipline, those mm-hmm. practices still then find themselves mm-hmm. at a deeper level. And then they have to choose whether to stay in that quote-unquote religion or move away from it. Um, so, cool. So what does any of that have to do with toil? <laughs> I don't know, but I liked it. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, veering off uh, the topic of toil. I like that. That, I, that my instinct is not to talk more about toil, but to talk more about the mystical path of being spirit and light and love. But um, if you were walking the mystical path of spirit, light, and love, would you ever have need to use the word toil? No, that's what I'm saying. That's why I kind of like that. I'm not drawn to that word now because usually I'm drawn to that word, but I'm not drawn to that word today. Well, good. Okay, let's just change the theme for the rest of the show. Here's a question, though. It's it's nothing to do with toil, but it's really on my mind and the concept of understanding and learning all things Tracy Brown. And this idea of, uh, go left, go left. Um, Do you have a sense of angels or guides or entities or energies on the other side of the veil working with you or for you? There's a veil? (laughs) Oh, that's good, Tracy Rod. You are good. You are good. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Fantastic. I couldn't resist that. I mean, there's a veil. Like a bride veil? What is there? There's a separation between me and... I mean, really? Mm-hmm. If I was a mystic, yeah, I would not have a veil. Be very slim. But to the original question, do you have this sense or idea that there's something on the other side, whether you know, not be law, love, not be God itself, or there are other little guardians, little god, guardians, Little guardians out there working for us. Guardians, is that where the word guardians? Maybe. Guardians, guardians, I like it. If you lived in Boston, I like it. Guardians would sound like that's how it would sound. Actually, that's an interesting question that I never thought about quite that way. But my initial, just without giving it any thought, reaction is um, well, there's no entity that is a loving entity that is not God. So so I believe that there is that guidance comes, that God comes. Guidance. 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 That guidance comes in many different forms in whatever form it needs to take to get my attention. Mm in a way that I can understand what the guidance is. But I don't think it's an entity different from God. I think it's God showing up in a form, even if it's a formless form like 
my idea, whatever my idea uh, is of an angel mm-hmm. or a guide, my mm-hmm. idea of, um, you know, I, I, if I, um, a couple times I've done kind of like shamanic journeys or, mm-hmm. or deep work and, um, <clears throat> and had animal guides, mm-hmm. you know, called mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. So the one that comes really regularly is a, a mountain lion, a cougar mountain lion. Beautiful. And, um, you know, and just like there are people who've done research around dreams and mm-hmm. their patterns. Right. That, you know, Definitely. if a thousand people, if a hundred people dream about X, it typically is related to Y. Right. And so the same thing, you know, from indigenous cultures worldwide, you know, oh, if your guide is a, you know, mountain lion. It what does it mean? This, and I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Actually, what's in my head, but I'd have to go look it up to be sure, um, is that the mountain lion is typically about leadership and fairness and courage oh, wow. and, um, and fast, like fast thinking, mm. but lots of wisdom behind that. Mm. So, you know, and it, it fits, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, <clears throat> but one time we did, I was doing some uh, healing work, and the snake came came up and was crawling up my arm, and you know that oh, was uh. just terrifying for me. <laughs> but it was funny because the snake had like kind of a Leslie personality. I love it. Thank you. Right. So the snake was like crawling up my arm, help. and my mind was going like. Oh no, that's a snake. I'm, a, you know, I'm wanting that. My mind was in panic, mm-hmm. but because I was in this healing process, mm-hmm. you know, the snake was like, "Would you just shut up?" Because you know, there is nothing scary about this, and you know, and I'm laying there, so I'm going. It's almost like those images, right, of the, you know, angel and the it's devil. It's spiritual warfare. And so, you know, and it crawls up and it has this message for me, and then it crawls around my neck and it goes down the other arm, and even talking about. What was about, the message? I don't, I don't remember. It was probably at the time. This uh-huh. was about three years ago. And um, and I just remember that sense of my conscious mind mm-hmm. having all of this reaction. Right. And fear and right. and bringing, you know, you got to get safe and you got to throw it off. Yeah. And, you know, and then even when I calmed down and it was kind of like, we really don't like this. Like, you just need to hold your breath and get through it. And it was really like it was separate, right? And so, but I don't believe, I don't believe any of that is not God. So when I think of an angel, mm-hmm. if I think of an angel, I don't think of it as not God. I think of it as a message, bringing me a message, being the message, um, that is God's message for me. But wouldn't that be God to the left, to the left? I mean, wouldn't that? No. You don't because, think? No, because you, you I think the angel is, 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 is the 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 guardian uh, is giving you information that would be helpful. That's 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 you know telling you how the deck of cards is loaded in your favor. Without any judgment, I like I get, uh, and, and maybe it's the kind of guidance that I get. I get it as usually as you know. You might want to consider this, or here's some options, or have you ever oh, thought about emotional. this? Way? Yours is not emotional. Where mine is, please do it. We want you to. We love you so much. Yeah. Ah, see that? But isn't that fun? Guardian would just show up. However, we would best interpret Guardian, and I would like that. Please do it. We love you so much. It's going to be fine. Go to left. Yeah. And Tracy would get, left would be good now. <laughs> right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Or, yeah, or you thought about going left. <laughs> you thought about left. Yeah. Or, but, and there are times when I get I very like clear direction. Like I have a, a poem in the I Turned a Prayer book that that I wrote on the plane coming home from this trip where I it was like everything I did that morning wasn't working, you know, like 
I woke up late, you know, I, I, I did, either I set an alarm, but I set it for p.m. instead of a.m., <laughs> and so I woke up late, or I just, because I usually don't set an alarm, I have a really well-attuned body clock, and I'll say what time I want to get up, wow. and, that's and impressive. generally that's, I'll wake up within five minutes of that. That's impressive. Um, and so, whatever happened that morning, I was... I got up later than I had intended to, and I thought I knew where I was going. I was in Chicago, and I was downtown Chicago, and I used to live in Chicago, and I know Chicago. So I had the address, you know, that I was going to, and I thought I knew where that was. (laughs) And so, you know, now I'm running late. It's cold. I'm walking over to where this address is. Cold. I get there, and... What I'm looking for is not there. And um, anyway, you know, so then I, I'm i like, oh, my goodness, I'm facilitating a class. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And, <laughs> Fantastic. You know, and wherever I'm supposed to be is not here. So I'm Clearly I'm late. not there. <clears throat> and I started, you know, getting anxious, and I got in the lobby of this building after, I, you know, I'd been upstairs looking for all this stuff. And I took three deep breaths. Nice. And I said, okay, I'm late. I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not, obviously not here. It, it's early, right? Be, mm-hmm. be, so I can't call, like, my contact for the work I'm doing is in California. I'm doing the training in Chicago. So it's, you know, 7.30 in the morning in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's 5.30 in the morning in California. It's like I can't call them. They're not mm-hmm. in the office yet. Blah, blah, blah. And um, and so I took three deep breaths, and the line that came to me, the you know, the sentence that came to me was either turn around and walk five blocks in the other direction, or turn left and walk five blocks. I in the other love direction. it. Yeah. But it was very calm. Very. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like. Look at me. I've got the answer. It's gonna be okay. Don't worry. Yeah. It was. Just We're here. Like, you know, so it was very clear this is what you need to do next, even though it didn't make sense to me. Yes, and did you do it? And, and you I, I just, yeah, I was like, well, this clearly is not where I'm supposed to be. And I, um, you know, went out the building, and so I must have said turn left and walk five mm-hmm. blocks. Well, five blocks east would have been in the river, so, <laughs> so that wouldn't have made sense anyway. But I walked left, and what it was was, you know, like I had, you know, I don't know, 235 East, uh, and it was, should have been west. 235 West or yes. something. And ended up, you know, walking. While I was walking, I was on the cell phone trying to, you know, figure it out, but I was moving. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and right about the time I confirmed some kind of way that it was the East versus the West thing, mm-hmm. I was at that building Fantastic. and walked in. So sometimes I, it's very clear, mm-hmm. but it's not... Strident, and it's not, you know, it's not like it's gonna be okay. Yeah, we love you. It's like I know that God <laughs> loves me. God is only love, so I never have a reason to doubt that. Oh, I think that's what, what it is because uh, yeah, I I don't doubt that God is love, and that I could never ever hear or interpret anything from God that's not love. And sometimes I just don't recognize Mm -hmm. that that's where that message or that idea Mm -hmm. is coming from. You know, it's fascinating as you say that. I'm I'm pondering the darkness that I will go into. I call it the darkness, the dark places. The dark dark places. And, And I am so lost and so dark that I don't have any concept of God loving me. I don't have any concept of God. I don't have any concept of spirit. I don't have any concept. I have this faint memory of... Knowing that, or it's like a. <laughs> I used to know yes, that. Yes, there used to be this about thing that. that I believed in uh, ten minutes ago, but now I'm completely removed from it, and it is so dramatic <clears throat> that um, it's fascinating. I guess <clears throat> that would explain a little bit why, when I'm having it, it it you know it, I I I want it to be really. Maybe maybe I'm needing that reassurance. Yes, it's really real, Leslie. Yes, it's really real, Leslie. And then, 
you know, those darker times are coming fewer and fewer and far between, but it is it is interesting that you, you just said, you know, you've never doubted it, you've always had it, you always believed it, and I... I I envy well, that. I envy yeah. that. I want to be that when I grow yeah, up. And you have known me long enough, and you have seen me in a couple of situations where I was kind of at my wit's end. But that, <laughs> but that was very much, I don't know how this is going to work out. This, you know, it's like right. I'm at my human wit's end. Right, but you knew there wasn't a spiritual And I'm thing. feeling really um, frustrated, angry, really afraid. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I'm not getting any direction where, uh, you know, in that inner intuition and inner direction, I'm I'm used to getting it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when I get to that point, but it is funny because for me it's like I don't, I don't feel like I'm at fault. Like what am I doing to block my good mm. or my, my guidance mm-hmm. from God because I – but it's funny because it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm doing everything I, I know how to do, and it's not working. But it, yeah, it never, it never crosses the line to God's not on my side. It doesn't exist. Right, yeah. that God doesn't exist or God's not on my side. Right. It's more probably the closest I get to that is. And it does, interestingly enough, relate to our theme today. Oh, very good. That's, even though it's not a word that I would use, but the closest I get is that sense of of toil. I'm doing everything I know how to do. I'm working so, so hard, hard to keep my head above water, or I'm working mm-hmm. so hard to, you know, build my business. I'm working so hard mm-hmm. to get this goal accomplished, and... Um, you know, I don't know what else to do. And so there's that sense of frustration around the human effort. Mm-hmm. But there's also the willingness to surrender, not and do nothing, mm-hmm. but surrender to there's a bigger picture that I can't, I'm so close to it, I can't see it. It, I, I just can't even, I can't think of a situation where I... Actually, the veil was totally shut, so to say, separation. Where there was a, um, yeah, a hell, wall. Actual hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that, and that's really interesting because on a conscious level, I don't think I've ever really recognized that until mm-hmm. this conversation. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. In this conversation right now, it's like, oh. Oh yeah, and 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 I'm looking back even before I became a practitioner. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, there oh, were yeah, some exactly. really challenging times. But I wonder if that had know. something to do with your little experience as a small child, where you yes went to the other side of the veil. Yes, and yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it does. It makes that, me know there's no That would imprint veil. something to you, that yes. That yeah, most there, there is have. no veil, that it is my life is the life of God expressing my life. There is no veil. There's no separation. There's nothing really between me and God because God is this, this Tracy having this, playing this game called life. I think we should start with that story next week and talk about that. About this story. The veil. I want to, your story that happened to you when you were little, and and I think the topic should be the veil. The veil. I like it because you just said there is no veil, and I think there is no veil. I think I keep your. There is no veil. Leslie, what do you want me to say it again? I mean, how can I, I talk about this for an hour? There is no veil. There is no veil. Oh, well, I could. Just let me talk about it for an hour then because that's like, very, there is no, no veil. But, so. there, but there, there's this idea of a veil. <laughs> there's a commonly used term of the veil. This, You know, that the veil closes. There is no veil. To, 
I mean, that's what we I'm saying. We could do that for an hour. I could say, but It'll it closes be- when you're two or three, and then you'll say there's no veil. And then I'll say, but then, you know, you work your whole life to get back to the point of understanding there's no veil. Are going to put people through that? <clears throat> I, I, I think I'd find it very entertaining, but, you know, others might not, but that's okay. Okay. But something like that. But I think I want you to start with your story. I think we, I don't know you've told it once or twice, but it's been a long time, and I think that that's a, I do think that imprinted something on you that allows you to have, and I don't want you to sense any sort of sign of bitter resentfulness about this, but I think it allows you to have a different life experience than those of us, you know, little minions that that, that didn't have that. So, but I'm, you know, again, not bitter or resentful. So, but I think it was an interesting story, and I'd I'd like to hear it again, and I do think it's, um, and in some ways... I think I have uh, spiritually, because of some of my trauma work and some of the depths of that darkness, I think coming out of it I've had some experiences that, that gave me a deep knowing and, and, a, and a deep experience of spirit that I'm very grateful for and I, and I can recall those and they're incredible, but for whatever reason, they're not as rock solid, and they don't, you know, they, the other, the darkness, even though not as dark and not as often, but, you know, it's still around, and I think whatever that experience you had kind of gave you something that uh, goes beyond rock solid. Did I say I wasn't bitter or resentful and I'm happy for you? And Eckhart Tolle, I'm thrilled for y'all experiences. I'll just sit over here and doyle. My spirituality will be toilsome. I'll suffer. Oh, suffering. Yeah. Now, that's a topic <laughs> for our future show. That should be a four-letter word, suffer. So, okay, so next time we'll talk about the veil, and uh, then we'll... <laughs> Say the, the veil. The veil. The veil. The veil and toiling. Oh, um, it's spiritual. So please join us on a, on the next episode. I mean, we're not quite done today, but just, I'm all excited about the veil. Then. Right. Oh, next week can't come soon enough. So I can predict that next in the next episode of Say Yes to Spirit, I will be toiling <laughs> That's through so wrong. minutes of talking about the, the veil that doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. That'd be an interesting article or or Sunday talk title, The Veil That Doesn't Exist. See, I'm really, I just want to start talking about it now because it's really interesting, well, the we, illusion we, of the veil. We have about six minutes. If we talk about it for the next six minutes, do we? can we then not think have to we talk it, about it next, next think, time? Think we can get it out of the system? Maybe, maybe, maybe. So, so, you're, so you're suggesting... <laughs> That uh, that that there is no separation. That the separation is an illusion that my human mind creates. Is that what you're suggesting? Am I right so far? Well, can I just just can I just speak for you and you just say yes or no? (laughs) That's what it kind of sounds like. I would like to just tell you, and then you say yes or no. No, go ahead. So, so, but guide me when you say there's no veil. What are you What are you saying? <laughs> there is no veil. <laughs> but but define what the veil is that there but is there not. Is nothing. So how can I define something that doesn't exist? What is the little minion, the sad little minions, those of us who think it does exist? How do we how do you see us seeing it? You have it? to believe in separation. How do you see us seeing it? So, so it's a separation. You have to believe in separation. Well, you don't have to, but... To suggest there's a veil, you would say that I would believe in separation. Yeah. And you're saying there is no separation. So that would be another way of saying there's no veil. There's no separation. Yeah. So, so see, this is good. I'll just interview you. So then, um, then on the third day, what did it feel like? Um, <laughs> so if there's no separation, then, then you, are, you are God expressing... Yeah. Yes. So, 
you could walk through walls if you wanted to. You, no. You've got to say yes to that. But why? You've got to say if you wanted to. If you were God expressing, if there's no veil, if there's no space okay, and time. Okay, there's a difference between is there physical form and ah, is there the formulas. Oh. Okay. Okay, there you go. For me, there's a difference. So it, God is, an, is a formless energy, and to experience life, it, has, it takes a form, which in this case is a, a Tracy Brown form. And so I'm not separated from God. I am just this part of God expressing as me. Are there formless? I, there's, there's, not some, there's not some curtain that I have to go through to get to God. Okay, but are there formless expressions of God that you can't see? Every energy, every emotion is formless. It's expressing, it's God expressing in, as, and through me. And it doesn't have a form until I behave a certain way. But again, there's no veil. When when I hear the word veil, I hear oh, we're that, defining it differently. That okay, go there's ahead. This this kind of divider that separates me from God. Okay, no, 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 no. That's not how I use it. I use it. I do get that. I, maybe I use it sometime like that. But I'm using it more in terms of the veil between the seen and the unseen. And that, that, that there's well, some people that can travel back and forth between the unseen and the seen, and that they and I and I and I am bitter. Well, it's we all about do that. that. No, not really. Intuition I don't. Intuition is traveling. Uh, yeah, well, mm-hmm, yes. Intuition is that's what intuition is. It's formless, and you're traveling between this formless idea, intuition, mm-hmm. and what you actually but choose to do or say. I don't think everybody does that to the extent that we could. Some of us are more tuned with that than others. Okay, and are that's we done talking fail. about that? <laughs> oh, we do but have the, two more minutes. <laughs> so, but do you think there's a, there's a there's a veil between the seen and the unseen? No. No. Okay. Can you see the unseen? If it's unseen, it's I like possible. I like that sentence. Well, can you see things that aren't of human form? Okay, are you using Spirit. C as, as a can you tangible, yeah. with my eyes, can right. I see it? Right. Well, then it eyes. wouldn't be unseen. So, well, we did. But that does, unseen does not mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> right, right. It's just, yeah. But there's, it's but just. Some people see things that are not seeable by others. I see dead people. You know, they made a movie about it. So do you see? Do you see that? Do you see dead people? Do you see things on the other side? <laughs> she won't even speak now. <laughs> the other is that a is that a, is that a possibly again so. in the context of <laughs> very pragmatic. Well, no, it's it's so there's God is a formless energy that takes form and shape for whatever it needs to take form and shape in or as. So Oh, now there you go. So, so it's all so God. God. <laughs> oh So when there's someone so who is God. attuned to the energy <clears throat> of God is a the, dead person. <laughs> Well, there's no life and death, so that's the, there's eternality of the soul. Problem with that sentence? Yeah. So there's eternality of the soul. Mm-hmm. So if I am able to vibrate at the energy that my dad, who's passed from physical form 19 mm-hmm. years ago, is vibrating at, mm-hmm. of course I can see him because our vibrations are matching. Gotcha. And when our vibrations aren't matching, no, I don't. I don't see him in my... You know, I might imagine a picture of him. Right. So. Times do your vibrations match? Uh-huh. Awesome. Oh, I love or, that. Or when someone shows up in your dream. Yeah. Same thing. It's like, oh, in that moment the vibrational match, so our energies are matched. And we are out of time. 
Wasn't this fun, though? No, it really felt more like toil, which is our theme for the day. And I'm so glad you joined us on Say Yes to Spirit. Until we meet again, say Say yes yes to spirit. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.